Well, hello everyone. My name is Andrew Bowles. I'm the Senior Minister of St Mark's and I'd like to lead you in a reflection on the Bible passage we're reading for today. Uh, we're continuing our series uh, currently on Paul's letter to the Colossians and we've been thinking about what does it mean to be renewed uh, as we're followers of Jesus. I want to start with a bit of a call back to the first sermon I did looking at the opening passage of Colossians which really asks what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the purpose of following Jesus and what does it mean to be part of the people who follow him, the church? And I think that Paul helps us in this passage to dispel some of the ideas that we might have about what it means to be a Christian that aren't true. So many of us, I think, have grown up or absorbed the belief that the purpose of becoming a Christian person is primarily about what happens to us after we die thinking about, will I go to heaven or not? And of course, that's something that we do think about. But the New Testament perspective on the purpose of being a Christian is actually a lot broader than that. And Paul introduces us to a big picture plan that God has for the world and for his people, which is actually the renewal of the whole creation, beginning now, as people enter into a new relationship with God through Jesus, and their lives are renewed, and they become more the people that they're supposed to be looking forward to the time when all of creation will be renewed in God. And so to be a Christian in this vision really means to be someone who is connected to God's life through Jesus Christ and to be filled with God's presence and to be renewed by him, both now and in eternity. So Paul's goal, I think, in uh, the letter to the Colossians is to convince the Colossians and us as we're reading it to participate in God's plan of renewal and to think about what this means for every aspect of our life. To look at ourselves now and ask how are we to be renewed by God in our current life. Last week we started to think about some of the practical ways that Paul talks about the process of renewal and particularly why and how human beings can be renewed. And so last week I introduced you to uh, the idea in Colossians chapter 3 here of the difference between what Paul would call the old self and the new self. And so we saw that the old self is really a way of describing human life as it's like, as we've inherited it, with our failings, our flaws, the weaknesses we have, which uh, in many ways has marred and defaced the image of God in us. The new self, on the other hand, is a new life that comes through connection with Jesus and gives us a hope that we will become more what we were made to be in the image of God. And so the old self is kind of, as I said, like a shadow that is behind us, something that Christians are called to leave behind, to walk away from and to grow out of. And Paul says to put it off like it were an old set of clothes, something that is dirty, torn and needs to be replaced. So the old self is something that needs to be put away. This week, I want to look more about the positive side to that, where he talks about what does it mean to put on the new self? What does it mean to become the kind of people that we're made to be and to be renewed? And up front, I want to say the main point of my message today is to understand that our new self, the goal of our Christian life, is to become like God. The goal of our Christian life and putting on the new self means to become like God. Now, that's a bold thing to say. 
and I think it's something that uh, needs to be packed up a little, so let's think a bit more about what that means. So what does it mean to say we're called to be like God? I think when many of us think about this idea, uh, a lot of us perhaps are drawn to some of the stories we have around, some are particularly popular today, things like uh, the superhero genre, or some of the ancient myths that we have around the gods. And so if, for someone to say, I'm becoming like a god, would indicate they're gaining extra power, strength, you know, intelligence, or some form of uh, ability to do something that normal human beings can't. And so that's to be godlike, seems to be uh, that kind of thing. And so, uh, how it, However, I think that is not really what the Bible would teach us it means uh, to become like God. Um, and a more mature perspective really understands that what makes God God and the essence of God is actually more in the line of what we would think of as character or attributes of a person. And the New Testament goes so far as to say that we can identify the very essence of God himself, and that is love. So uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, for instance, we have the famous uh, phrase where John says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So what does it mean to be like God? Truthfully, it means to become a person of love. So the new self, then, that Christians are called to put on is actually a transformation that comes through experiencing God living in us as John says, which changes us to be more like him. The image of God in us is set free and we become truly like God is. And to be a Christian then is to take on that purpose. And so this is, we believe, the goal of human life. It's what Jesus came to do, to make it possible for us to become like God, to be people for whom love is our essence. And this is a prospect that is uh, something that we're looking forward to, but it's something that we participate in now as we grow closer to God. So Paul also talks about this in his second letter to the Corinthians. So if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it means to be someone who is becoming like God, whose character and very being is being filled with the love of God more and more, forever. I think that's a really inspiring and exciting vision of life, and it's something that really draws me uh, on in my life as a Christian person, as I see that this is the goal that God has for me and for other people and for our world. And so Colossians chapter 3, as I looked at passage uh, verses 12 to 16 today, I think this is a description of this process, or part of it, of putting on this new nature, God's nature, putting on these new clothes, these divine clothes, as we are transformed into the image of God. And as we do so, we are encouraged to find that we will reflect God's essence, his love, in our character individually, and the community that we create around us, the community of the church, will reflect God's life as well. God's life of relationship, which we call the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so the church, we're told, is to be a renewed people through Jesus, a people with a special purpose. We're spoken of as God's chosen people. So in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. So Paul is saying that Christian people are called to take up this mission that God has given to people throughout the Bible to be his special people and to show his essence and his love to the world. And that's part of our calling as Christians too. So individually it means putting on, as Paul goes on to say, some character traits which are the clothes that indicate God's people. Putting on the actual character of God. And again, it's not a character that we might think of as godlike. It's not a character of uh, power, authority, domination, being better than others. It's actually a character that is uh, uh, characterised by the aspects of a sacrificial, humble love. So what are the characteristics that we're to put on? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You can hear a theme there. The new nature that we're putting on. This, these are not, this is not power dressing. To be humble, to be gentle, to be kind. And I think that's actually really helpful. And it, it makes sense because God is not actually, God doesn't need to display God's power to show that God is God. That's what it means for God to be of infinite power and infinite uh, glory. There is no need to show that by acting in a dominating way. The character of God is actually shown in going out of himself, showing love, lifting other people up. So that's why I believe these are the characteristics that Paul uh, calls upon here. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. All of these things focus not on ourselves and building ourselves up, but on the other people around us and the love that goes out of us towards them. And this then leads to, as in Paul's vision, which is encouraging the Colossians to embrace, to living in a community of love. If everyone in the community of the church expresses these characteristics, then their community will be one of peace. People will forgive each other for the grievances that they have uh, committed against each other. They will live in the peace of Christ, and in thankfulness constantly for what God's doing in their midst. And so they will, as he says, dwell in Christ and worship together. And we can hear, I think, in this vision that it's not just individual people that are to be in the image of God, but God's people, uh, his church, his community, to image and reflect God's uh, character as a God of relationships. There's so much that can be said about this. And what does it mean to, put, to actually put those uh, disciplines into practice? That's something that really takes our own application and it's really helpful to talk to other people and share how you're wrestling with these issues. What are the, what are the virtues that we need to put on right now? So we can think more about that in the weeks to come and in the years and uh, decades to come. But it's, I want to just draw out today the point that it's amazing when you read this, how much of Christianity in its day-to-day -day application, how much of it is actually involving uh, what we would think of as positive emotions and positive intentions towards ourselves and other people. To be patient, to be gentle, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be humble. All of those are expressions of the feelings that overflow in people who are close to God and who are being transformed by him. And so they can be seen in practical and tangible ways in the lives of Christian people, and they should be.
And so it gives us a measure of our own transformation and a measure of our own renewal. It encourages us to go on being transformed and to see that more and more. And it is something that is readily applicable and as a di diagnosis, perhaps, of how much we are actually living in God and God living in us. Some of the tests that we might apply to ourselves, as Paul says, are how we can forgive other people. Do we forgive and do we have the resources to do that, that God gives us out of his love? And what culture do we create around us? The culture that he is calling us to create is a culture of peace, where people actually mend things, reconcile and build each other up. And I think this is a real timely word for us uh, in our current situation, but it's an ongoing issue for our church, our community and our world, is that we live in a culture of blame, a culture where we're looking to tear other people down or to find out who has done the wrong thing, particularly when we ourselves are not feeling full. But that is not actually what it means to be transformed by God. That is not what it means to be renewed. And the new self doesn't draw into that culture of blame, I think. One of my favourite uh, Christian figures in history is a man named Seraphim of Serov. He was a Russian uh, religious leader in the 18th century. And he was well known for his humility, his patience, compassion, all the virtues that Paul has been talking about. And he has a quote that I go back to very readily when I think about the communities that I'm living in and the part that I'm playing in them, which challenges and encourages me to put on this new nature. I want to share it with you today. So Seraphim says, You cannot be too gentle, too kind. Shun even to appear harsh in your treatment of each other. Joy, radiant joy, streams from the face of him who gives and kindles joy in the heart of him who receives. All condemnation is from the devil. Never condemn each other. We condemn others only because we shun knowing ourselves. When we gaze at our own failings, we see such a swamp that nothing in another can equal it. That is why we turn away and make much of the faults of others. Instead of condemning others, strive to reach inner peace. Keep silent, refrain from judgment. This will raise you above the deadly arrows of slander, insult and outrage, and will shield your glowing hearts against all evil. He's encouraging us to turn our eyes actually towards God, towards his glory to be transformed by that into the image of his love. That's a daily challenge that we take up, particularly in the face of situations that try us and make us feel like blame, make us feel like judging, make us hold on to grievances. But we need to put on the new self and embrace this life because when we see the new self in ourselves and in other people, we will see the face of God in our midst. So I encourage you today to take up that challenge, put on these new clothes and ask ourselves, what do I need from God to take the next step today? So in a minute I'm going to put up some questions that I'd like you to reflect on during the week. Perhaps you can talk to those that you're with and encourage them, or just for yourself, asking yourself, how does this passage apply to me today? So that's my encouragement as we go forward in the rest of our service.